We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Odo, and you're listening to episode 43, Isn't It Iconic? My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me this week. How are you, sir? I'm amazing as always. How are you, David? I am also amazing. Uh, you've got some uh, some big-time stream news, though, I think you should probably share with us before uh, before we carry on. Yeah, fair enough. Um, wasn't quite ready for that, but it, 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 it is a good thing to share. Thank you for surprising me there. I had set a goal uh, to achieve by the end of the year as far as total number of subscribers went, uh, which was 250, to make it kind of feasible for me to continue streaming full-time next year. And as of today, we are at 260 out of that 250 required. So uh, mark it on your calendars. I will be streaming again in 2018. Plan to go even further than that. Um, Very excited about where Arena might take us in the future. And I'm also uh, very humbled and thankful of the, the, the like outpouring of support that the fat cat community uh, has shown on Twitch over the past month. Like it, it, it kind of blew my mind. I wasn't really able to talk for a minute. I, th- I thought I was going to cry because um, this is my dream job and I want to keep doing this. And I'm, I'm just very appreciative of, of all of the people that are, are helping to make that happen. Does this mean that we get the return of the Sam Jia emote? Sim- please, 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 please. Yes, please. it's happening. Yes, uh, I mean Jia. Jia uh, Durf is currently working on Sim Bite and Sim God, and as soon as those commissions are finished, I'm going to get him to start working on Sim Jia and potentially Sim Wan. The return. Mm, I mean, that would be fun for me, but it's such an inside joke that. Um, I feel like maybe all those people have, have like died and it's just you and I Evan's keeping still that around. joke. Martin's still around and you do get I, two for ones every once in a while. That's true. That's true. Well, I welcome it if it is there. If not, it'll still live in live forever in my heart. Yes. Yes. The one and only. <laughs> well, no, that's 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 exciting news. Um, I feel like you need to set the bar a little higher next time. Let's go for 500 by the end of uh, like January and uh, and we'll get you there. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So uh, today, though, the reason we're here is uh, because Iconic Masters comes out on Friday. And some of us are going to be drafting it in paper. Some of us are going to be drafting it online. Either way, we have a new Masters set to draft, and it actually kind of looks spicy. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Masters sets uh, in the past. However, out of all of them so far, I think this one interests me the most, probably because um, it's just a lot of cards that I'm familiar with from when I started playing magic, uh, like coming back to magic. I mean, there's a lot of like, like M12, M13 style cards in here, as well as like, you know, some cons block cards, which I've very fond of here. So out of all of the master sets, I would say that this one has the best chance of me actually getting a few reps in, um, either way, it looks like a fun and interesting draft set. So at the very least it will be that. Yeah. I I'm very excited about it. I'll be drafting the heck out of it. And then I've got the streamer showdown coming up on Monday. 
Uh, so I, mm. I have to have this down by Monday at four o'clock Eastern uh, because my reputation is at stake. Now, um, they've announced the cost of these on Magic Online. So you can do a 10 ticket Phantom, if I understand, or a 100 play point Phantom, if I understand correctly, mm -hmm. which do your normal Phantom payouts. Um, what's the cost if you actually do packs? Have you seen that? The packs are going to cost the same in the retail store that they do as paper packs. So I, I would probably encourage people, unless they're interested in cards for their collection, to play the Phantom events. And that's most of what I'll be drafting. Like there's still some excitement in opening up some of the chase rares, but many of the rares that are worth 50 or a hundred dollars in paper are going down to something like 10 or $20 online. So like there's not really one card you can open that will pay for an entire draft. I, I think there are actually a few, but like uh, generally speaking, what I'm excited about is the play experience that I can get here rather than the card value. I, I do think it's good that there's some staples that are being reprinted and can find their way into the hands of people that want them. Uh, but I'm more interested in the play experience than the value. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and that's 25 tickets online though, right? I haven't actually done the calculation. I looked at the Phantom information, decided that was everything okay. I needed and moved along. <laughs> um, okay. I, I know that the sealed but, events that they're doing, I think are 50 instead of 30. So, okay. So it's somewhere in the $25, 25 ticket range for a draft then. Um, packs might be cheaper from bots, obviously. So use your... You know, use your your math skills out there to determine what you should be doing if you're going to end up buying packs. Um, I imagine in stores, though, packs costs are going to be all over the place. Depends on supply and depends on, um, you know, where you're from. Like up here in Canada, I think our drafts are somewhere in the $35 range, which is like amazing. 30 cents US. Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, doesn't matter. Cost aside, we're going to draft it. You're going to draft it a ton. I'm going to draft it some. Everybody's going to hopefully enjoy it. So why don't we just dive right in? and start with some of the key cards from all the colors. We'll just go through in Wooburg order. How's that sound? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so the first cards I see, um, I don't want to talk about each one individually, but the first three cards in white are straight out of cons. And it's the Outlast, Abzan Battle Priest, Falconer, and the Einok Bonkin. Um, these cards in cons were like, limited like all-stars for the most part like your bonkin was a solid two drop that usually got first strike falconer any combination of falconer and priest and bonkin and you made these like kind of ridiculous um early game plays <laughs> the problem is, is is as i'm scrolling through here it doesn't look like there's a ton of way to get plus one plus one counters on other creatures like using spells and things like that so um they might not have quite quite as much synergy as they did in cons but i i do expect these guys to be kind of like or limited you know heavy lifters i would say for the common and uncommon spots I, I, there's enough in green uh like the ivy elemental was reprinted and downshifted from rare to common uh which is mm. x in a green for an xx creature with counters so like you you can you can do that certainly so i, I think there's enough synergy outside of the outlast cards there's also uh unleash which we see in the Rakdos colors. So those are creatures that will come in with plus one, plus one counters. So there, there's some neat things you can do here. Um, these particular creatures use the Outlast mechanic, which is spend some amount of mana, tap the creature and put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And then each of these creatures also give all of your creatures with plus one, plus one counters an effect. For example, the Battle Priest is lifelink, the Bondkin is first strike and the Falconeer is flying. It's worth noting that if you get into combat, with a bunch of creatures with plus one, plus one counters and think you're going to be fine because you have a bondkin and your opponent kills your bondkin at instant speed, things can go very badly for you from there. 
Uh, so pay attention to that onboard stuff, but don't let that detract from these three cards. The Bondkin uh, being at common, I knock Bondkin, is a really big deal. This is the premier two drop of the set uh, for white. There's one other aggressive white two drop, and I honestly think this is the best one of the batch, even though the other one was a downshift from uncommon to common. Mm -hmm. The best thing I think about the Outlast cards is that early on, they were usually a, a good enough body. And if you didn't have a turn three play, let's say, with an Inok Bonkin or something like that, um, it was a no-brainer to Outlast instead of hitting for two. Um, but where they really shine is when you started to get like board stalls and you could like spend multiple turns outlasting, you know, two creatures or this creature and then that creature and this three creature and that creature. Um, it so kind of depends on how board stally this this format is. But um, you know, out, outlasting is a strategic decision. Just keep that in mind if you didn't play the cons block. You know, usually you, you're making the decision between not developing your board or outlasting at one or two of your creatures or even holding back to block and not outlasting because mm -hmm. outlast um, is so, at sorcery speed because outlast is at sorcery speed so generally speaking you're probably outlasting once um and then attacking as much as you can until you can no longer attack with it anymore mm -hmm. okay all right scrolling through the list what else do you have in here as your key white cards we need to talk about angelic accord Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Angelic Accord is three and a white for an enchantment at the beginning of each end step. If you gained four or more life this turn, create a four, four white angel creature token with flying. So I went through an entire set review of this on stream and we talked about every single card. It took about six hours. You can find it in the video on demands for Monday if you want to go see that. After looking through the entirety of the set, this is actually secretly a black white card. The life gain deck is in black and white. And you're going to need some of the stuff from black to make this work. There's a lot of ways in white by itself to gain two or three life at a pop. But to really crank it, like you have to gain four in a single turn. And it doesn't care where it comes from. Two two twos with lifelink, for example, would pull it off for you. But you do have to gain four total life. If you're not able to do that, Angelic Accord doesn't do anything. You spend four mana, nothing happens. It doesn't attack. It doesn't block. And you've got to gain four before you get your first payoff. So what you're really looking for are ways to repeatedly gain life. And I think that's easiest to find in black and white. I'm not saying first pick it and build around it. I mean, I'm going to. I'm just saying you shouldn't necessarily do what I do because it's a heck of a lot of fun when you can get this going. I remember playing with it in the M set and it, it's a very fun build around and there is support for it here. I just think you're going to need to be in black, white to pull it off. Yeah, there's a few things that, that turn this on. Um you know, there's the festering newt ball uh, cauldron or not, not even the festering newt, just the bubbling cauldron. Mm -hmm. I think that you can sacrifice cards to, to, to gain life. But, um, how many angels off this do you need to be happy? Like, are you okay if you just get one? You need two. Um, like, like a, you're, you're not okay with it. Just getting a single format of four, four off of this. No, you need to get two because you've, you've usually spent two cards to do that. Even if the life game was incidental off some life grain creatures or something like that. So like a four mana four, four flyer, if you could guarantee that you were repeatedly getting that, it'd be a rare and it'd be great. Right. But mm -hmm. like, you've got to jump through some hoops to get it. So if I'm going to jump through those hoops, I want to stick the landing and have at least two angels. Anything past that, I'm usually just thrilled about. The, uh, the good thing about this though, is you can, this doesn't have to be on the board in order for you to, to get this angel. So you can swing right get your lifelink on and then play this after so like if your opponent thinks you're up to something example 
not like playing around a combat trick of some kind mm-hmm. um and you have two 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 life linkers or something like that you can play this after attacks and after you've dealt your damage and gained your life um and then still get the angel because it triggers in your end step so um actually it's each end step which is interesting now if for whatever reason you have a way to gain life at instant speed do it before your end step don't do it in your end step because you will not get your angel token correct or during your opponent's end step if you're doing it during your opponent's turn you'd want to do it at the end of their second main yeah so on magic online put an extra stop in where you don't normally have a stop i I play with all the stops because i'm a good magic player carrying on carrying on um skip the rares and mythics i think like there's some there's some really good ones in here um but i think i'm more interested in the commons and uncommons yeah blinding mage yes blinding mage is absurd it it is is bonkers it is fan bearer on steroids and by on steroids i mean for cheaper um to uh to activate so um it's a a a two mana a one and a white for a one two uh with the ability white and tap target creature um it's just good it's a common so like there's going to be a lot of these but um it's it's a movable passivism for your opponent's best creature. Mm-hmm. It plays well in controlling decks. It plays well in aggressive decks. Like the controlling deck is tapping down their biggest threat every turn. The aggro deck may go through two turn cycles to tap two blockers. Like tap one on your instep, untap, tap another one, attack you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things you can do with this card. And I also want to point out while we're here, uh, Benevolent Ancestor is an older card that may not look like much on the surface. But this card is an absolute powerhouse that really screws up combat for your opponent. It's it's two and a white for an 0-4 defender. Tap it to prevent the next one damage that would be dealt to target creature or player this turn. This used to be a hallmark ability that was put on creatures in white. Uh, but it's since been basically purged from Modern Limited because it is so difficult to mess with. And they try to get rid of onboard tricks to kind of remove onboard complexity. Um, imagine scenarios where like, your opponent has two grizzly bears and you have a, you know, two grizzly bears and you attack in their blocks start to get awkward. They're going to have to double block one. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and then if, if you have a combat trick on top of that, or like you're basically turning potentially all of their three threes into two threes because they're not going to deal that much damage. Plus this can block something by itself. When you have multiples of these out, you may have your opponent in a position where they simply can't attack. Cause you could shrink something down to zero power and then eat it with a larger creature. So like, I, I think benevolent ancestor and blinding mage uh, are, are a clue that this is not the aggressive f- format that we're kind of used to in limited where we're thinking like, okay, Ixalan's pretty aggressive. Emin was pretty aggressive. Uh, seeing benevolent ancestor and blinding mage in a, in a format made me think it's going to be a little slower. It'd be a little slower. Okay. Perfect for dirtling. There's also a bit of a Defenders Matters theme. Oh, yeah. Um, it, when you scroll down the list, you'll see Vent Sentinel, for example. So um, that'd be an interesting archetype. It's like, it seems to me like even just through these couple of cards here and talking about some of the cards further down the list, but um, it, a lot of the mechanics seem to straddle three colors. So we're looking at more like a a, a wedge or a shard um, as far as the mechanic distribution goes mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a color pair. So um, that, that is interesting for drafting as well, which makes me assume that we're going to see some kind of color fixing later on. Only um, like the perhaps best in the common, ever been, but yeah, <laughs> perhaps in the common or uncommon spot. Right. So um, that, that's good. That's interesting. That makes for fun draft formats. So I think so. And it's very different than what we're used to lately. So I can certainly dig that. Okay. 
Um, what's next on your list as you scroll down? Next on my list is something I want to talk about. Um, it's a card called Guard Duty. Mm-hmm. This is white for an enchant creature aura. Enchanted creature has defender. So you would put this on your opponent's threat so they cannot attack you. This is the common um, white enchantment-based removal. Like, usually we see something like pacifism in this slot. Um, we might see deserts hold recently. Um, compulsory rest. We're used to some sort of white enchantment-based removal at common for cheap. And it's usually really good. And this one's not. Unless you're planning on attacking in the air, you're only killing half the creature. It can still block. So like in a blue-white skies deck, I'm not embarrassed to have a copy or two of this in my deck, but in most other decks, I'm really not interested in it. Um, I played with this when it was in one of the Zendikar blocks, I think. Uh, but wherever it was, it just it wasn't good. So like you, you don't want a lot of these. Don't pick these early. Don't be like, oh, I got a fourth pick guard duty. White's open. Nah, this is, this is dumpster fire garbage. I guess it goes into a deck where you're never attacking. Yeah, potentially. If you're doing that something with your defender deck, you could use this. So I'm not saying there's yeah. decks that aren't going to be interested in it. I'm just saying this is not a premium card. No, you might look at it as one white and think, oh, great. It's Path to Exile. Yeah, mm, it's no. not. It, it's, it's not. So um, your favorite card, though, coming up here, Infantry Veteran. I do love this card. I don't sleep on this card at all. No, this card's a powerhouse. One in a white for a one one. Tap it. Target attacking creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn. There's no mana cost associated with this. You just tap it. That's the best part, I think. Um, it's similar to that Defender, uh, Benevolent, whatever it was, Ancestor. Ancestor. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to that in that it makes combat math difficult for your opponent. Just It's on the other end now. Um, and you're always getting in an extra point of damage because the Infantry Veteran's not not attacking or blocking itself. It's always giving its plus one, plus one to something else on attacks. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if you're not tapping at every combat, like when you're attacking... Um, you might be doing something wrong, I would say. Yeah, be, be aware this card wants to go in an aggressive deck. And as I mentioned, I don't think this is hyper aggressive, but if you get a couple of these, you start to build a deck that certainly can be. Mm-hmm. Um, We kind of see some... Uh, one of the things we're going to see in this format is there's a lot of good removal spells. Um, There's a Doom Blade, there's a Swords to Plowshares, there's cards like that. Which is unfortunate because it takes a card like Iona's Judgment, um, which is five mana, sorcery speed, unconditional removal, it exiles target creature enchantment, um, kind of puts it on the back burner. And I remember this being not a high pick, but it's like you always wanted one of these in your deck um, because it dealt with anything and or an enchantment of some kind. I don't know how that will be in this format. Like is five mana just too expensive given that you can get these other cheap spells is the fact that this is common something that that means that you're going to be playing this card more frequently um i don't know what your take is on this after you know you did your set review but i'm interested to see where this this shakes out in the format this is the only common white removal spell so if you don't get your answer right there uh, a removal spell and i kind of don't like it's half a one then if you need to kill stuff and you're in white you're gonna play this you probably don't want three of them I, if I have a deck with two of them, I'm probably like, uh, okay, but I think one is about what I want, uh, but you're probably going to want a five mana kill a thing. And it, it looks like there's certainly going to be stuff worth killing in this format. Yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, iconic creatures at rare and and, and mythic that, um, that it's just going to be nice to have a way to unconditionally deal with them. Um, plus the occasional enchantment that's kind of annoying. Modal spells are great. Just always keep that in mind. Yeah. 
Uh, next up, let's what you mention got next? Seeker of the Way. Uh, this card was uncommon when it was originally printed and is now printed at common, which is kind of a big deal. This is your other white two drop. One in a white for a 2-2 two, two prowess. In addition to getting plus one, plus one when you cast a non-creature spell, it gains lifelink. Mm-hmm. This card plays great with rebound spells. Oh, heck yeah. That's my favorite thing to do with that is like, you know, sorcery or instant speed doesn't matter. Um, it's attacking in is a three, three with lifelink, which even if it gets blocked and, and traded, you're, you're, you're up a lot of value. I would say off the card. And if it lives, then you get the rebound and you get to do it again the next turn. Um, that was one of my favorite things to do with this card. So keep that in mind. I'm, I'm looking through here at the, the combat tricks we have, and it's basically just guided strike, which is not a bad one, but this card is best friends with combat tricks. Uh, guided strike is one that's uh plus one plus oh first strike draw a card for one in a white so like mm-hmm. the idea is you attack him with this they block with a three three and you're like guided strike kill it gain four draw a card what? and make an angel yeah and make an angel <laughs> right no but those those um that that spell in, in in particular and spells like it like we've seen with uh with prowess creatures in the past are there usually specifically for prowess right mm-hmm. like the cheap cantrip get a little bit of power or a little bit of toughness or something out of it um, and trigger all your prowess creatures. That's generally what they're there for. The fact that that one has first strike is interesting because um, usually they're weaker than that. So which one is that that you said that was guided Guided strike? strike. I guess it's one in a white. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen ones in the past that are similar to that. Um, What was the one from cons block that was just plus one plus zero draw a card. It was white, right? Do you remember that one? one Maybe Maybe it didn't have draw a card on it, but it's like, you know, those cheap spells are your bread and butter in your prowess deck. So so keep an eye out for those. And it looks like there may be a red-white prowess deck. I'm not sure how good it's going to be, uh, but there's some creatures that would benefit from you casting spells. And it's always an interesting balance. If you have a bunch of prowess creatures, how many non-creature spells can you fit in the deck mm-hmm. uh, is, is always an interesting one. Yeah. Instant speed removal goes way up in that too. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, um Sarah Angel, I mean, we can talk about it, but everybody knows, or you should know, um, that Sarah Angel is just the bomb diggity as far as uncommon creatures go. Yeah, it's even been printed at rare, and it was good. Yeah. Three we white, like our, white, four, uh, we four like flying our, vigilance. We like our, our air elementals, and this is just a better air elemental. Um, uh-huh. Don't don't sleep on this card. Yeah, it's a good one. Pick it early, pick it often. It's Mm -hmm. worth mentioning Stalwart Avon because it contains another keyword that you're going to see some. Interestingly, another one that plays well with the Outlast creatures we saw earlier. This is two and a white for a 1-3 flyer with Renown 1, meaning when it deals combat damage to a player, you can put a plus one, plus one counter on it. That only happens once. So it's a 1-3 flyer. If you connect with it, it turns into a 2-4 flyer. Yeah. Renown was great when you were the one with with the with the advantage and you were the one that were attacking through your your opponent's creatures and they couldn't block um stalwart Aven and topen freeblade is a little bit later here like topen freeblade was so good if you stuck it on turn two and then hit your opponent and then you had a three three and your opponent couldn't deal with it um it's almost as bad as long tusk cub in that regard both of these are, are good Toto and Freeblade is much better, um, but Stalwart Aven, if you're like, you know, if, if you care about the air, um, usually it's a 2-4 flyer for 3 mana, and it can block and attack through a lot of things. So Stalwart Aven is a good common. Topin and Freeblade is, is just an excellent uncommon, though. There's your aggressive, uh, another aggressive 2-drop. This, Seeker, Inok Bonkin, like, 
that's a start to a good deck if you're picking that like one, two, three. Yeah, for, for sure. The the free blade used to be a common, and it's a nod to the power level of the card that it got bumped up to uncommon. It's one and a white for a two two vigilance renown one. So like Dave said, if you connect with it, you've got a three three vigilance, and now they're going to have to deal with that. There's there's cards that make it easier to deal with token free blade than we saw in Origins, where basically all of the damage based removal I think was the common red burn spell was for two, um, and, and we'll get to the burn spells. It's a little bit easier to deal with than it used to be, and it's been bumped up in rarity. But after looking at this, there there is an aggressive white deck here. Um, it, it, it's interesting in that I like the red is really where I was like, huh, I don't think there's as many aggressive creatures as we're used to, but there's certainly some aggressive white creatures. So I think you'll have some aggro white decks as well as some controlling ones. They're still interested in all of the evasive threats and the removal. Last card I want to ask about in, in white is, is a card that I've never played with. And I've barely played with storm uh, as a mechanic, but seeing a white storm card is bizarre to me. So one white, white for wing shards, which is an instant Target player attack or sacrifices an attacking creature and it has storm. Is this just one white white target player sacrifices an attacking creature or are you ever getting multiples off of this? So there's a couple different ways you can get multiples. One is if your opponent's lazy and cast their creature pre-combat and then swings with two others. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people do that. Another one is if you line up blocks and your opponent would need to use a combat trick to get you, all of a sudden I have a response. Perhaps you have a combat trick that's cheap. Again, we've seen a two mana one in white, and it's not unreasonable to have five mana up. But generally speaking, I would play with this card the same way that we would anything that just said target player sacrifices an attacking creature. Meaning that sometimes, you know, they attack with a five five that you have to kill and a two two, block the two two with your grizzly bear, let damage resolve, then cast this. Or again, God forbid they cast a combat trick, you just get both of them. Right. So there will be some additional benefit that comes from this card on occasion, but usually you're depending on your opponent to cast those spells. Um, It it obviously gets better with any instance that you have if your opponent's tacking in, but it's very narrow. Um, But I I still think it's fine. Like we had the white, white target opponent sacrifices an attacking creature before, and it it was good. It was decent removal. Um, you, You can't use it to force through damage. So this is another one of those cards I'm thinking that points to maybe a little bit of a slower pace of gameplay. I realize that's hard to say after we've just reviewed a bunch of really good aggressive white cards. But as as we go through red, I think it particularly kicks in that this is not blazing fast, even though there will be aggressive decks. Okay. Um, it's basically settle the wreckage. It's all you, all you have to know. Yeah. It's you heard, you heard it from Travis. It's essentially okay. that card. <laughs> um. So white looks interesting. It touches a few mechanics, the plus one, plus one theme, the life gain theme, the defenders theme, a little bit of prowess in there as well. That's interesting. Like white looks, it looks fun. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It looks fun. Yeah. And I, you're, I you're starting, it, starting to convince me here, maybe. And it can play both sides. Like I said, there's a, there's cards for a control deck in there, or at least a solid mid range deck that leans control plus some very aggressive cards. So I, I think we'll be able to draft more than one type of deck in this. Unlike M and Ket where like everything was all aggro all the time. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Okay. Um, blue, blue. Let's talk about, what do you want to start with? Claustrophobia. That's the first one I had, which is, not saying much for maybe the blue cards here is that we skipped a bunch to get to claustrophobia before we started talking. So 
Claustrophobia is one blue blue for an enchantment aura. This is a classic, iconic. See what I did there card? I see what uh, did. When Claustrophobia enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. Enchanted creature does not untap. Um, we remember Unquenchable Thirst, cards like that. The upside of this is you don't have to worry about it being tapped already, or you don't have to worry about it tapping later on. It just taps. It just goes to sleep. So um, this is this is your bread and butter blue removal uh, in enchantment form. Yeah, it's it's a solid card. I don't think there's any untap effects. So generally speaking, if you can land this, it's handled. Next, Next up for up, me is yeah. Doorkeeper. Okay, interesting. You decided to stop on the Mill Defender. Yeah, because I, I think it's worth again mentioning because this is kind of part of that Defender theme, part of an early blocker theme. This at common usually leads to slower formats because a 0-4 is just really difficult to get through. Uh, it's one in a blue for an 0-4 defender, two in a blue, tap it, target player mills X, where X is the number of creatures with defender you control. Yeah, you're not... Let's be realistic. You're not milling your opponent out most of the time, all of the time. I can't say all of the time because somebody will get milled out by doorkeepers or other shenanigans. Um, but if you're a controlling deck, this is good. Uh, if you're a defender's matter deck, like your vent sentinels, this is good. Um, and like you said, sometimes you just want an O4. Sometimes it comes in out of the board against your opponent's aggressive infantry veteran, token free blade deck, and you just need to stick a big butt in front of it. Yeah. Card's fantastic. Yeah. Um, are you up or down on like elusive spell fist? We remember this. I think it was from cons block. So elusive spell fist is a one in a blue for a one, three creature whenever it kind of has prowess, but not really. It just has the plus one plus zero instead of plus one plus one. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, it gets the upside of it cannot be blocked this turn as well. Um, so you kind of have to be all in on your spells, I think, to make this worthwhile. Yeah, I know Daniela Diaz is going to pull off a deck with Elusive Spellfist and Kiln Fiend. There, there is a blue-red spells deck. I uh, And you played her deck in Standard Sum and had some fun with it. So I think you could mm-hmm. probably get behind this too, but this goes in that deck. You might could try blue white prowess, I, but I think this is earmarked for red. There's some rebound spells. There's some stuff that makes things unblockable. There's lots of ways for you to kill somebody on turn three, maybe four with some combination of kill and fiend and elusive spell fests. I think kill and fiend's the premier one. So you want like two or three of those. And then this can also fill that slot. Yeah, so this, uh, anybody that drafted Conspiracy 2, there were Kiln Fiends and Gutter Snipes, and I don't remember if there's a blue creature that was also in that same, like, gaining or de- dealing damage to your opponents via um, via spells, basically. But Kiln Fiend and Gutter Snipe are going to be your premier ones, and then I feel like these guys might, like, fill that fill the gap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they would fill your two-drop spot, get a couple of extra points through here and there, um, but you're really going to be leaning on your other creatures, I think, to uh, to deal the bulk of the damage. I absolutely agree. But Kiln Fiend and Gutter Snipe are both in here. So like that archetype yes. is alive and well. We're, I love me some Gutter Snipe. Um, Fog Bank, though. Limited all-star Fog Bank. If you like blocking, I've got a deal for you. Have you ever had a game of magic where you didn't have to block? I mean, yes, but obviously, but like 95% of your games of magic, you are blocking things. Not since Amonkhet, yeah. And, and Fogbank blocks things. 
It certainly does. For one in a blue, you get an O2 Defender Flying. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to and by Fog Bank. True story. One of my first standard decks, I was looking through some receipts the other day. I don't know why I had like random receipts of um, magic purchases. Um, and I had a purchase for three Fog Banks. M13 Fog Banks, I think. It cost me $2.50. And I don't remember why I bought three Fog Banks for my standard deck, but I did. <laughs> you were interested in blocking. I Apparently so. But do bear in mind, this can still be burnt out because it only prevents combat damage. So you can still kill a fog bank. You just can't do it in creature combat. You feel so sad when you kill a fog bank though, with like a lightning bolt or equivalent. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just spent a, a premium removal spell on an O2. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're not um, going to win any games, but it'll stall if you need to. No, we should mention frost links, which is the water trap weaver. Exactly. Except strictly worse because it's an elemental cat instead of a merfolk. Um, it's in there. It's, it's the same as it is in Ixalan. It's, you play it in a tempo deck, you play it in a defensive deck, you play it because it's awesome. Yeah. You, you use this after you've cast all the spells to tap down their blocker and kill them with the kiln fiend. Yep. Ooh, that's the, Ooh, my my brain is already, I'm starting to get it here. There's storm in here too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Picking up on that. Um, What's next for you? Any of these next cards interest you? It's an uncommon, but Illusory Angel is worth mentioning just because it's kind of a funky card. It's two and a blue for a 4-4 flyer. You can only cast it if you've cast another spell this turn. So it's sort of like an air elemental that untaps two lands when you play it. It, it, If you think about it that way, you can kind of be all right with it. It's worth remembering if you have this in your deck, because I've played with this before when it was in one of the M sets, and I actually lost because it was like, I just need to top deck any creature I can block and I'll be fine. And then I top decked this and I couldn't cast it and I died. <laughs> so like, <laughs> this that, is not a creature. This is not a creature. It doesn't do that. And you're not, you're, you're basically never casting this on turn three. However, you can cast a two drop in this on turn five. And that's a pretty dang good turn. This plus ramp are best friends. Yeah. You can cast your ramp spell and then cast this. And there's a lot of colorless ramp. Yeah. Yeah, especially, yeah, the artifact ramp or even just like a turn two ramp into um, what's the mirror? No, I guess mirror is a three drop, right? There's the platinum mirror. Palladium. Is that what it is? Palladium mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a three drop, right? Three mana for two colorless. There's a crap on the two mana rocks in this set, though. But if you can have like five mana on turn four or six mana on turn four, it becomes much easier to cast this spell. Yeah, or just in any deck that's playing a bunch of spells, cheap spells, early stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. if you have one or two mana things that you're interested in doing, I, I think this is another thing that can go in a blue-red spells deck and be good, and generally be good in any blue deck. Just be aware there are some limitations with it. Okay. Um, the Jin is back. Mahatmi Jin. Mahamoti Jin, indeed. Mahamoti Jin. Mm. Yeah, that, that's right. an iconic card for me. Yeah, the artwork is amazing on this card. Uh, you can't you can't see it, but trust me, it is. Uh, four blue blue for a flying five six. I mean, it's not the best rate. However, a flying five six is very deep, very 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 difficult to deal with. Correct. Note, though, it it does die to Doomblade. It does die to Doomblade. That's the thing we can say in this set. But like, you only yeah. have to connect with it a few times. Uh, there is a ramp strategy here. And this is just an all-star. It used to be a rare. It's been printed in uncommon here. This is the six drop I want in my blue deck. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, mnemonic wall. This card I used to like quite a bit, and it seems like it'll go in the uh, in the spells matter uh, theme deck, I guess if you want to call it that. For sure. Uh, four blue, four blue for an O four defender, and when it enters the battlefield, you get an instant or sorcery card back from your graveyard. It's Snapcaster really like Wall. Card. Snapcaster Wall. Um, I really like this card, but I think that um, you need. A, I think you need a reason to put it in your deck. And I guess maybe just even having a Doomblade in your blue-black deck is a reason to put it in your deck. Um, but it'll play much better in, you know, like a blue-red spells um, style deck. So it's tough to say. Five mana is a lot for it. But if you're if you're buying back good cards, then look at it as like, you know, a two-mana 0-4 defender that, you know, I guess draws you a good card. Like, it, like it's tough to say. Like, how much is that extra? How much is buying back that card in the graveyard worth to you? Um, you know, two or three mana is probably a reasonable rate for that. I think it's interesting to have it in a set with both a defenders matter sub theme and plenty of rebound spells, because if mm-hmm. I cast a rebound spell and then rebound it, it does go to the graveyard. So it's sort of like, I'm getting to cast that spell four times. If I can buy it back with a mnemonic wall. And if I have, you know, doorkeepers and vent sentinels anyway, well, I've got another interesting way to win the game. Now there might be some competition for cards like this. Yes, there might be. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, that's it for me. Unless you have anything else in this, we got in, we got in this color. Th- three more we need to mention. Okay, because it's kind of a big deal. Jesse and Thief is now at common. Speaking of prowess and interesting cards, this is two and a blue for a one-three prowess. When it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. It is absolutely terrifying to have a two-two in play. And have your opponent attack in with this, right? If you block it and they have a trick, you just threw away your dude. They don't even have to have a trick. They can just cast a card draw spell or something. And they're like, it's worth like peeking around and seeing what kind of instance there are that they could cast. Um, I, I don't think there's an inspiration. No, there's not an inspiration. So at least we're safe there. But like, you're terrified to block it in case they have something. And you're terrified not to because they're going to draw a card. Like, it, it's kind of a big deal. And you can just tap out for a sorcery on turn four and clear past some grizzly bears and start drawing your cards. How is there not a divination? Yeah, that's an iconic card I would have liked to have put in here. Mm. Anyway, carry on. They they could just have thought scour. Like that's one of the instant so, spells here. And like all yep. the, they thought scoured themselves, get something in the bin for their mnemonic wall that they're going to play later. Hit you, draw a card. Like Jesse and Thief is a scary card. And play your three mana four four angel. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! I just constructed the perfect blue opener. There you go. And then once you've done all that to the board, you can protect it with a mana leak. One Are we talking blue. about mana leak? We're talking about mana leak. It's okay. one in a blue for an instant counter target spell unless it's controller page three. I mainly want to talk about it because people are used to this being an all star and constructed, and it's pretty good in limited. It's not busted. It's not amazing. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's got two things going for it. One is the casting cost. We remember Lookout's Dispersal, which was annoying, um, but it wasn't always great because sometimes you are you didn't have a pirate and you had to play it for three mana. Um, and then the three, the controller pays three. That is usually enough to make this card worthwhile. You put both of those together, and this is a solid, solid counterspell at common. Whoa. I'm going to lose to a lot of mana leaks. I can feel it. 
I often looked at mana leaks in the formats that I've played with it in the past as a replacement for a two drop creature and just plan to counter whatever my opponent does on two or three with it, depending on whether I'm on the play or the draw. And then like it, it's going to lose value later, but so would average two drops. So mm-hmm. I don't look at that as too big a ding on it. Okay. And then I think one of blue's most valuable commons that is often overlooked uh, whenever it's printed is phantom monster. Three and a blue phantom for a three, three monster. flyer. That's below, like, that's that's cheaper than it usually is. Yeah, this is a really old card. The original art for this was kind of terrifying because you didn't really know what was going on in it. Uh, but we've seen this reprinted in some of the master sets, and every time we've seen it, it's just been fantastic. So, like, all of the decks that are playing blue are interested in this. If you're controlling, it can attack and block. It's a decent rate as a blocker to trade off with some creatures. If you're doing, you know, even Spells matter stuff, why not have this hitting them in the face for three while you're turning through your deck. Like it's just a solid card. Three is a spell. Sure. (laughs) Hit him for three repeatable. That's a spell. (laughs) It's a good spell. It's a great spell. Um, all right, let's, let's slide on over to black blue. Blue is interesting actually, but like nothing really jumped out at me as being like powerful build around. Like it, it seemed like just a bunch of support cards. Um, so I might either be missing something or, Maybe that's the intended role of blue. I think you you may be missing how good a hill giant with flying is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. And you're like, not wrong. The, the the white common removal spell sucks. Claustrophobia is fantastic. It's pretty good. Okay, all right. You, you, all right, you, you brought me around on that one. It's it's not flashy. It's not glamorous, but it gets the job done. Indeed, indeed. Okay. Um. Black. What are you what are you looking at first in black here? I th- think I have my pick here, but I want to see if you skip over top of it. Um, I would probably jump down to Dead Reveler mm-hmm. as the first card I wanted to talk about as I've played with this in Return to Ravnica, and it's kind of a big deal. It's two and a black for a two three, or it can be two and a black for a two three with a plus one plus one counter, and it can't block. This plays nicely with all of the outlast creatures that we saw in white as well as one that we'll see in black, as well as some that we'll see in green. Actually, I don't know if green had the unlast or just the counters, but either way, it plays nicely with those. And like, if you've ever faced down, if you played against this card and faced down your opponent on the play, turn three, three and a three, four, you're like, I can't block that. It's just going to, it's going to deal nine damage to me before I can deal with it. Like it's a very strong play um, when you're being aggressive and then even if if you're not able to like you can do a lot worse than two and a black for a two three, yeah, it's it's kind of a stupid card. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really hard to block, um, and you hate using removal spells on it. So you kind of hope your opponent makes a mistake and and clicks through the unleash dialogue without putting <laughs> a plus one plus one counter on it. Indeed. Um, I wanted to talk about Butcher's Glee. Oh yeah, I, I almost said Butcher's Glee because that's so much power on such a little card. So Butcher's Glee, Butcher's Glee, what format was this in? Was this in Khan's Block? I think it was think in Khan's so. Block. So Butcher's Glee, Glee, or Glee, 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 I was thinking Butcher's Cleaver. Butcher's Glee is two and a black for an instant. Target creature gets plus three, plus zero, and gains lifelink, and you get to regenerate it. Um, The upside of this is kind of ridiculous. So there's the option always of in combat, right? Your creature lives and you gain, let's say, five life. 
trading up usually for something. Um, there's also the random upside of just like your opponent uses a doom blade on it and you're like, well, I need to keep my four, four flyer. I'm going to butcher's glee it and keep it around. Right. Um, so outside of exile effects, if you have a butcher's glee up, it's very tough for your opponent. Like if you showed your opponent that you had a butcher's glee, it's very tough for them to actually do anything. Mm-hmm. It can also swing a race in your favor, right? Like yeah, if you that's are, part. if you're behind losing the race and let's say you hold this thing back to block, you know, all of a sudden you can get like a five, six point life gain and kill their creature um, and then hit them back the next turn. Or you could even just swing in with a three, three flyer, two, three flyer, hit them for five and, uh, and give yourself a 10 point life swing, which is kind of ridiculous. So it's, it does it all. It's a lightning bolt to the face. It's, uh, it's a regeneration spell like negate. Um, and it's a, it's a giant growth all at the same time. Yeah. Don't go nuts. It's three mana. You want one of these, maybe two in your black decks. That's a lot to spend for a combat trick, but contrast it with crash the ramparts, which I will play begrudgingly, but like, I'm I'm not thrilled about that. This I'm actively happy to have one in. And there's plenty of times where I've just attacked with a four, four, they don't block. And I'm like, fine, butcher's glee gain seven. I'm now winning this race. It's a great card. Yeah. Agree. Speaking of great cards though. Doomblade. It's back. Dies to Doomblade. Yeah. Doomblade does not die to Doomblade. Mostly (laughs) because it's black and it's not a creature. Both of those are true. Both of those are true. It's one in a black for an instant destroy target non-black creature. We we are used to, in modern days, splashing for six and seven drops. You can splash for Doomblade. It's okay. Like, if you've ever splashed for a final reward in Hour of Devastation draft, this is the same thing except you can do something else that turn. You don't cast this on turn two. Now, it's interesting that it's uncommon here, whereas in many printings in the past, it's been seen at common. So you're not going to see a ton of these, but this is a, a very powerful removal spell at instant speed. And when old farts like me and Dave talk about how good removal was back in our day, just imagine this at common and you'll start to get a picture. There you go. Um, what's next? Our common removal spell in black is Grizzly Spectacle. Uh, this yes, was originally indeed. in Gate Crash. It's two black black for an instant destroy target non-artifact creature. Its controller puts a number of cards equal to that creature's power from the top of his or her library into his or her graveyard. I love this card, mostly because it's just, it's removal, right? Like if you don't end up with a Doom Blade, this is a fine, fine pseudo replacement for it. Sometimes you just got to kill a thing. Um, this also has the random upside of if you happen to be in a deck that cares about cards in your opponent's graveyard, and there are a couple of cards that do, um, you're playing this card anyway in your black deck, uh, or in your black blue deck, for example. So sometimes that extra little bit of text actually matters. You'll, you're not going to mill your opponent out, but sometimes it'll turn your white of precinct six into, you know, a reasonable threat, for example. Mm-hmm. It, it's also worth noting there's not too many cards in this format that punish you for milling your opponent. Usually, if you're in the blind, you would rather mill yourself than your opponent uh, because, like, we're used to embalm and flashback and that sort of thing. And there's a few cards that care about that, right? Like, if your opponent's playing blue, be aware they may have a mnemonic wall and you might mill a spell for them. Uh, there is Boggast, I think, at rare in black. So there's a, a few cards that punish you for milling your opponent but not nearly as many as we're used to. So in, in the blind, milling your opponent is, is usually a bonus here. Yep. Um, 
Indulgent Tormentor. I look forward to hopefully drafting and casting this card, I think. Yeah, this guy used to be a rare and it was great. Is great. So this is three black black for a five three flying demon. And at the beginning of your upkeep, your opponent gets a choice, either sacrifice a creature or pay three life. And if they don't, you get to draw a card. Um, five three flyer is pretty tough to deal with for the most part. And your opponent is obviously going to make the decision that is worst for you. Um, but if they're taking eight a turn, they can't do that for many turns. So you will, you will get value off of this card. Um, if it lives for a turn or two. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't die to doom blade, but it, it, this is basically a removal test. If your opponent can kill this, they will do so immediately because you're going to begin to generate value as soon as you've cast it, right? Like you just need to untap once and you've got some value there. It's a very strong card. Again, used to be a rare has been downshifted to uncommon. I, I've never had a deck with two of these, and I can't wait to make that happen. Oh, two of these would be brutal. It, it can happen now. It can happen now. All right, that just blew my mind. Um, scrolling down the list, we have Popper All-Star, Phyrexian Rager. Two and a black for a 2-2. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card and lose a life. It's probably just a like solid two-drop, I guess. Um, pretty Pretty okay with that if you don't have anything else to go in that spot. Yeah, it's a solid three drop. Scathe zombie solid. draws a card. Yeah, there's no zombie. Or I guess it's not even. It's a horror. It's not even a zombie. I was going to say there's no zombie theme in this, right? Which is a little unfortunate. Yeah, no, it's not particularly themed, but like this card has been around forever. I can't remember what set it was originally in, but like this is a really old card, and it was reprinted in like Scars block. Um, it's the Scars art that they've put on it. But like it, it's just a great card. Mm-hmm. Anything else left in here that I'm scrolling through and not really seeing too, too much else? My list is pretty much ends with Phyrexian Rager. There's a good card I want to talk about and then another card I want to talk about just to like have a math discussion. Reeve Soul is one in a black for a sorcery, destroy target creature with power three or less. This is a nice solid removal spell for small threats in black. So this is your common removal spell and it's good. This is better than having like Iona's Judgment and Guard Duty in white. So we're we're pretty happy with this. And then I, I also think it's worth mentioning uh Tavern Swindler. This yeah. is an uncommon. I've we played have with this card this. before. We do briefly because there's two there's two reasons to care about this. It's one in a black for a two-two. Tap it, pay three life, flip a coin. If you win the flip, you gain six life. So like yeah. the the only time you would ever do this is if you have an angelic accord in play. Because if you have an angelic accord and you win the flip, you're up. You've effectively gained three life, but you get an angel token. Any other time you do it, because of the randomness, you effectively gain zero life every time you tap it. Right now, you could get lucky on a string and do that, but in the format this was in originally, you were interested in it because it was a two-two that could attack and block. That was gate crash, and you just needed stuff that could attack and block. So yeah. don't, if don't you be happen fooled. to have this card, be aware it's a grizzly bear and then only activate it if you have the um, Angelic Accord or you just particularly like flipping coins. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think if there's ever a scenario where like you can, you're, you're like losing and you can pay three life to try to gain enough life to like have like one left. And I don't even know that that exists. Just, just, just don't just don't don't come into the stream and say that uh, you flipped four times in a row and you gained a bunch of life and then failed to tell us the time you flipped four in a row the other way and you lost a bunch of life like just 
Just don't. Yeah. Or, hey, you forgot to activate your swindler. Yeah. I didn't if, forget. If this was pay two life, gain five life. Like now you're net positive over the long term. And in that right? case, I flip it every single every time. single time, which is amazing. Even if I'm at three. And, and if and if you don't like 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 if if you don't get that, I think I think you won't get the fact that we're saying never flip here. Right. If you don't get that, that we would always flip if it was pay to gain five. Um, but like just I'm trying to think of the best way for somebody to, to like if you don't if you don't understand it to understand it. The the aver- the average of paying three and gaining six is zero. You're not actually gaining any life. Yeah, the but the average like, of pay two and gain five is one. You're effectively gaining one life every time you do it. So like you could get lucky on the flips or get unlucky on the flips, but if winning the flip gives me a bigger advantage than losing the flip costs me, then I'll flip every time. Right? Yeah. It, and the, if, if it's a net zero, I'll never flip. And it's an, if it's a net negative, like it was paying pay four gain six, I still might do it if I have an angelic accord. But that like even then I'm like, I'm not even sure I want to risk that. Yeah. The the key is if like and, and like some people don't have the mind for for like the statistics or like the, doing the math on the expected value of something. Just just keep in mind that that this is just zero. Just just never do it and you will be ahead of, of the game. And, and don't argue. Just don't argue. <laughs> All right, let's move on to red. All right, red. Let's go. Um, First up for me, I think, is the Borderland Marauder. You've done well, Dave. This what what is up? So what is up is this is one of the better red aggressive two drops that we've ever seen. It's also the only one in this set. If you want an aggressive red two drop, this is your selection. There is not another one for you to get at common. It's one in a red for a one, two. When it attacks, it gets plus two plus O and it tells you what you're supposed to do with it on the card. You attack with it. Yeah, it's, um, it's like the wandering scoundrels of the set. You know what I mean? Like, like if you land this on turn two and your opponent can't block it, um, on turn three, you get in for a ton of damage and then it trades usually, Mm -hmm. um, plays very well with combat tricks as well. Indeed. Indeed. It's very good. Speaking of combat tricks. Yes. One of the better red combat tricks we've ever seen has been printed in the set. And you're going to get blown out by this a few times until you start realizing how to play around it. And that's coordinated assault. One red instant, two target creatures each get plus one, plus O and first strike. So in the early days of the format, you will get you some two for ones with this. It's, it's at uncommon and it should be because I do not want to see this game in and game out. Like you attack two grizzly bears into their two hill giants. If they block incorrectly, you kill them. Watch for people doing stuff like this. If if you see somebody in red attack you with two two twos into your two three threes, double block one of them. Punish them for uh for their insolence. Um I miss heroic. Yeah, it was even better in heroic, but like this yeah. this card is just a beating all by itself. It's it's good. It's good. Um Red's got some good spells. Sure. Doesn't does. seem like they've got a, a ton of great creatures, but They've got Draconic Roar, which is like lightning strike with upside, kind of, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, one in a red for an instant. Um, you may reveal a dragon card when you cast this card. Draconic Roar deals three damage to target creature. And if you reveal the dragon card, it also 
deals three damage to the face. You can also just have a dragon in play. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. Or control it's, the dragon. I always miss that. Yeah, so it's either or. It's um, it's a searing blaze. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of times you would cast your lightning strike just to get a blocker out of the way anyway, or to you know kill their phantom monster that's going to kill you. Um, this has the upside of if you happen to have a dragon, it also goes face. So it won't go face on its own. You can't just be like draconic roar kill you. But if you have a dragon and they're at three, you can still just cast this on their four four and win the game. Yeah, this is this is good. This is, um, you know, if, if you play Lightning Strike, you'd play this and it's, you know, it's great. Yeah, it's a fantastic card. This is your premier red burn spell. Like this is your common removal. Mm, he says premier red burn spell as we scroll to Fireball. Oh, God, the math <laughs> on Fireball. This is uncommon, though, to be fair. <laughs> OK, that's fair. So, so go for it. I'll walk you through this because I had to walk through it on stream. Uh, There's a reason we don't see Fireball printed in most sets these days. And it's because the math on Fireball is is super uncomfortable. It's X and a red. Fireball deals X damage divided evenly, rounded down among any number of target creatures and or players. Fireball costs one colorless more to cast for each target beyond the first. Okay. So most of the time what you're doing with fireball is burning your opponent for five because you've got six man in there at five. Great. Or you're burning away a three, three flyer that's going to kill you for four mana. Great. If you want to kill two grizzly bears, you need to spend the red, then the colorless for more than one target, and then a total of four mana after that. So at six mana, you can kill two grizzly bears. There is, there is a way to do this. And I, I believe this is correct. Somebody taught me this. Ignore the casting cost. If you're looking for, if you total up all of the toughness of all of the creatures that you're trying to kill, and then you add one for each creature you're trying to kill. Oh, but it has to be divided evenly. So you have to assume that they all have the same toughness. Exactly. exactly. That's the tricky part. Uh-huh. So even if you want to kill two three threes, you've still effectively got to pretend, uh, excuse me, if you're killing a three three and a two two, you have to pretend like you're killing two three threes. Two three threes. Yep. Right. And but it does give you something to do with huge amounts of mana, and there is a ton of colorless ramp in this format. So I, I think we're gonna see fireballs for 10. Ooh. Spicy. Yeah, like okay, I'll tap eleven, fireball you for ten. Yeah, don't even need to kill creatures at that point. Yep. Um my boy gutter snipe. Yeah, two in a red for a two two. Art. Yeah, ooh, spicy. Tuna red for a 2-2. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, it deals two damage to each opponent. And uh, the trick here is you draft it and a lot of instants and sorceries. Or you draft this in multiples and lots of instants and sorceries. Yeah, yeah, that that's, that is the combo. That's how you win with this card. No, it's um, it's good. It's not good in a deck that's not really dedicated. Do you know what I mean? Like, you really need a critical mass of instants and sorcery spells. So, like, you play this with your prowess. You play this with your mnemonic wall. You play this with your kiln fiend. Um, and it's you try to go all in with it. It's okay. It's okay if you have like eight instances and sorceries and nothing and no other synergies. Um, but really, I think you want to be trying to get that critical mass to make this card a lot of fun. Yeah, it's also never been in a format with rebound spells before. So just oh, the fact that, that we could do. Oh yeah. No way. Hey, I'm just gonna scroll up here and read the rebound text. Where's a card with rebound? Rebound, rebound, rebound. You may cast this card from exile. Yeah, so it's like you are actually casting it. You don't just put a copy on the stack. 
Yeah. That's so spicy. every rebound spell you cast, unless they deal with your gutter snipe, is going to additionally do four points of damage to your opponent. So that's kind of a big deal. Outstanding. So if your six or seven instances sorcery is a rebound only, and you have a gutter snipe, then that is a very good job. Okay. Yeah, the, those spells will kill your opponent. Doesn't matter what else they do. Um, what's next for you? What do you got? It's worth talking about Heat Ray because Heat Ray is not Fireball, even though it looks like a similar card. It's X and a red for an instant to deal X damage to target creature. The big difference here being it can't go face, and you're typically paying one more than the creature costs for your opponent to play. So you're usually like at a mana disadvantage when you cast this, but it's still acceptable removal, especially in a format that has ramp. There's also some X spells matters shenanigans going on in green red. So I think it's going to be even better there where you can potentially use some of those cards to get bigger value out of it. Uh, but it's instant speed removal at common. So we're, we're going to be pretty happy with it, but this is not the same card as fireball. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we've talked about kiln, kiln fiend a lot, so I should mention it here. It's uh, one in a red for one, two uh, elemental beast. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus three plus zero. Um, this plays well with uh, distortion strike plus one plus zero yeah. and unblockable um, with rebound it, with rebound. Uh, it plays well with anything that gets your opponent creatures, opponent's creatures out of the way. Um, such as frost links, such as frost links. And if it looks like you should be able to combo kill here with it. Um, but like generally speaking, like you're getting two or three activations or trigger to build it triggers off of this um, and hitting your opponent for like 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the card. So, yeah, put it in the deck with a lot of spells and you will be able to kill your opponent. It turns all your removal spells into four damage to the face. Repeatable lightning axe. Exactly. Um, okay. Got anything else in red? Yeah. Um, at least two more things that I wanted to mention. Um, Prodigal Pyromancer being a pretty big one, even though it's uncommon. This is two in a red for a 1-1. One, one. Tap it to deal one damage to target creature or player. Much like those white cards we mentioned that really mess up math uh, combat math for your opponent. Prodigal Pyromancer does that too, in addition to pinging face when you need it to. If you have not played with pingers before, and it, it's probably been a while since you have because they don't really print these anymore, the last time we saw it was on a 3-1 and you had to exert to deal one damage to a creature or player, and it was in a format with really big dudes. Here we've actually seen stuff that it'll just straight up kill, right? And in addition to that, adding that to something else that it's attacking is kind of a big deal. And then um, I, we've mentioned Vince Sentinel a couple times. I think it's worth mentioning again here because it is kind of one of those defender card payoffs. Uh, it's three in a red for a 2-4 defender. One in a red, tap it. It deals damage to target player equal to the number of creatures with defender you control. So if you have three defenders in play, just for one in red, you can three your opponent at the end of each turn. Um, and as hinted out with Draconic Roar, there is a minor dragon theme in red. You will see a lot of decently costed red dragons, uh, many of which have flying. There's enough red dragons with flying in this set that you can actually make a blue-red skies deck, which is not an archetype that we see very often. It's also the reason why we didn't have another aggressive red two-drop, is that slot is taken up with some dragon support cards. So I, I do think the dragon deck and dragon theme will be a real thing in red, uh, but it, it, a lot of it was printed at uncommon, and then the support cards are printed at common. So that's why you didn't hear us talk about them much. Oh, and Frick Splatterthug is in this set? I'm surprised you skipped Splatterthug. <laughs> yeah. How, how I, stupid is Splatterthug? 
Oh, God. Th- this card is just an abomination. It, it's two in a red for a 2-2 first strike, and you can unleash it. So if you want a 3-3 first strike, which is usually what you want with this because your opponent can't block it, it just gets uh, like it, it's so hard to block this thing. And even two in a red for a 2-2 first strike, if you need to block it, does a decent job at that. So like there's there's your aggro three drop. Yeah. I'm just going to draft Rakdos uh, RTR cards or gate crash cards. Yeah, I, I think wish. you'll actually have something together. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on into green. So um, green is interesting. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I didn't make a list of green cards because it seemed like when I was scrolling through them, they are all kind of all over the map here. Um, there's assault formation, which um, is one in a green for an enchantment. Each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And target creature with defender can attack this turn if you pay a green mana. And two and a green target creatures you can control get plus one or plus zero plus one until end of turn. So like we have like a defenders matters theme. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I didn't see any defenders with um, ramp abilities. Did you? Um, yes. One there of the are? best ones ever printed in the game. Wall of roots. Did I scroll over that one? I, you oh might have missed God. it because it's low on the list. It's one in a green for an 05 defender. Put a neg uh, neg zero, neg one counter on it. Add one green mana to your mana pool. Mm. And then we also have the the premier uh, defender mana ramp all-star overgrown battlement, which is one in a green for an 04 defender. Tap it for as much green mana as creatures you control with defender have. Okay, so we've so, got ramp, but we don't have fixing. So you're not... Are you playing like a five color or four color defender deck with assault formation? Or is this more like, you know, you're playing like green, red vent sentinels kind of thing? I think you're probably playing green, red vent sentinels. We we do have one fixer in search for tomorrow, um, which is a, I mean, rampant growth variant. It's fine. If you're going to play, you know, two, three, four colors, you can probably do it with that. You're just paying a real cost for it. But I think there's a lot of good defenders already in green, many of which ramp you. And then pairing them with any of the other colors and getting those defenders is like a theme that you can certainly do in green. Okay. Um, that's the first one that stood out for me, though. So what uh, what do you have on your list? Uh, two more that I think would mention. Um, Curse of Predation is actually a pretty good way to get counters on your dudes and combos with some of the Outlast creatures we've mentioned. Uh, it's two and a green for an enchant player. Whenever a creature attacks enchanted player, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So recognize that this is not particularly good if you're looking to block, right? So let's be aware of that. It doesn't go in your defender deck. They're not going to get the counters, but it's functionally a three mana anthem that continues to grow past that as long as you're interested in attacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also got crowned Ceratok, which is three and a green for a four, three trample. Sold. Additional text, each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it has trample. We're going to see more stuff about plus one, plus one counters mattering. We've already seen enough for you to be interested in this. Plus Borderland Minotaur at common with trample. Like, okay, this is already my favorite card in the set. Man, there's a lot of plus one, plus one counter matters theme or uh, cards in this set. Maybe it's just because I I like that theme. Um, You know, I liked Outlast, but we've also got Hunt the Week. Um, yeah. I mean, it's no savage stomp, but it's, it's good. It's good. Hunt the weak three and a green for a sorcery, put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control. And then it fights, um, savage stomp was great. 
But it was great because, well, I mean, it's just great, period. But we remembered Hunt the Week and compared it to that. And we're like, oh, my God, Hunt the Week was great. And this is so much better. And now we just get Hunt the Week again. And it's it's still good. Yeah. And the green creatures are bigger in this set than they have been in the past. Um, now, the, the next card I want to mention is Ivy Elemental. Yes. Uh, this used to be a rare. And it's a pretty big deal. It's also part of a cycle. There are uh, There's a, a rare Hydra that that's an X creature. Then there's also heroes bane, which used to be rare and got shifted to uncommon, which gets plus one plus one counters on it. But we'll just talk about the uncommon one for now. It's X green for a zero zero. It enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. So for two mana, this is awful at three. It's okay at four and better. It starts to get really good. I don't know if I've mentioned that there's amazing colorless ramp. There's amazing colorless ramp. You can get a big IV elemental fast, and then there may be additional cards in your deck that care about it having plus one, plus one counters. So like whenever something gets shifted from like rare to common, it's a big theme in the set. You need to pay attention to it. Yeah, outstanding. I remember Endless One, um, which is a little cheaper than this, and Endless mm-hmm. One was great. Um, so this is good, better in a plus one, plus one deck, and better if you have ramp, I think. Yeah, you're going to have ramp, man. It's all over the place. Okay. Um, Next up for me, I think, is... It's kind of a card that might, like, slip past. um, But Netcaster Spider was kind of like a a limited all-star. I don't remember what format it was in last. I think one of the core sets. But um, two and a green for a two, three uh, spider with reach. And whenever it blocks a creature with flying, it gets plus two, plus zero. Um... You didn't always main deck this, but you brought it in against flyers and it just shut them down. It traded uh, or like traded, I guess, with most most flyers um, that your opponent would be tacking into. Like it just straight up kills this air angel. Um, It it's good. I would I would keep an eye out for these for your sideboard. I mean, sometimes you have to play it in your three drop spot, um, but there's a lot of flyers in this set. I might even main deck these. Yeah, I, th- I think you would like the decision for me by the end of this is there's a plummet effect. I think I main deck that we've already seen good blue and white flyers. We mentioned it some, but there's a theme of dragons and red and black. So you're going to have flyers there, too. So every deck but green is highly likely to have flyers and evasive threats, making a, a green desperately need a way to interact with them. And I think that's why we see this card at common. And then, like I said, the, there's an additional plummet effect in the set. I think you can probably main deck that. So we mentioned Overgrown Battlement. Um, that's probably what I wanted to talk to talk about here. I remember Sultai Flayer being very good in cons block. I think it's going to be pretty good here. It's three and a green for a three, four. When a creature you control with toughness four or greater dies, you gain four life. Like that's kind of nice to tack onto it. But I, I think those were mainly my highlights from green. Oh, Undercity Troll. Come on. Yeah, you can talk about Undercity Troll. Undercity Troll. I, I mean, I love the card, don't get me wrong, but like it was this thing was kind of dumb to play against if your opponent if you didn't have a blocker for it. Um so Undercity Troll is one and a green for a two-two with renown one, and it has the upside on top of that. So it's you know, Topin Free Blade plus it has two and a green for regeneration. Um if this thing ever became a three-three. It was very, very tough, very, very tough to just deal with. Um, you couldn't attack through it if your opponent ever kept mana up. Um, even if they didn't keep mana up, it blocked very, very well if it was a 3-3. Um, 
you, you kind of hope that you have like an O four defender and that this thing just stays a two, two forever. Imagine it in a set where you can give it trample flying first strike death touch because of other cards that synergize with it and the other Abzan colors. And uh, you're starting to get the picture life of why this is a pain in the butt. Yeah. It's give it lifelink too. Why not? Yeah. All right. All right. Um, green is always interesting to me just in general. Um, there's a lot of interesting cards here. So I look forward to, uh, to maybe the plus one plus one theme. I think that'll be the one that I'm, uh, leaning toward drafting first. If I get my pick, obviously you draft what's open, but, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes I, I don't mind forcing a deck and, and, uh, in order to learn a format and, uh, I might have to force that theme three color plus one plus one counters. Yeah. And I think again, green could do it because of search for tomorrow, letting you fix for whichever of the colors you have two cards of, you know? Yep. Um, wow. We're out of the single color cards so far. So I guess we've got the gold cards and artifacts left. Hmm. Yeah. I think we're just about there. Just about there. All right. Um, key one, the first one that stands out to me here because it's plus one, plus one counter theme day here in the Seville household is uh, the Chronicler of Heroes. Um, I don't remember. Was this in the Renown set? It must have been Magic Origins, right? Um, when Chronicler... I'm pretty sorry, sure it was Theros. Or was it Theros? Oh, because of Heroic. That's what it was. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I think it was. No, you're absolutely right. So it's one green and a white for a 3-3, three, three, um, which is pretty good rate. And then when it enters the battlefield, draw a card if you control the creature with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Um, in Theros, it was frequently drawing a card um and it seems mm-hmm. like if you build your deck correctly here um you will usually get a card out of it as well yeah i, I think it's it's reasonable to pick once you're in that deck not necessarily a reason to go into it but yeah. once i have an ivy elemental or two uh and again there's tons of creatures in green that just come into play with counters you're pretty happy to have this yep speaking of counters corp jack menace was a really neat reprint for this set um, the original set it was in had some plus one, plus one counter themes, and now they've put it in one where it kind of has those themes, but in a different way. It's two green black for a four, four. That's a great rate. And it says if one or more plus one, plus one counters would be put on the creature you control, twice that many plus one, plus one counters are put on it instead. So your Ivy Elemental that you spend four, four is now a six, six. That's very good. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Um what was it called scavenge from uh yeah. from the rtr block um it was very good with that it was quite frequently a uh like you have to answer this card because your opponent quite frequently had a lot of scavenge in the yard um it, it's neat that it it straddles a lot of different colors here as well right so it straddles white with renown uh red and black and with, outlast and outlast red and black with uh unleash so uh, and then green just in general with the plus one plus one counters so um this card i think will be fought over in in a few decks because it goes very well in in all of these decks if you can cast it mm-hmm. um it's next electrolyze is cool like it's just worth noting that it's a thing here so um one red blue for an instant uh divide two damage between two targets uh creature of players and draw card it's kind of like the best of both worlds there in your blue and red yeah. Just a solid card. Solid, solid card. Um, what else do you got as a as a I wanna, standout? I want to mention uh, Roshin Meanderer. Uh, this was a rare, downshifted. It's three and then hybrid green or red. So you can cast either green or red. Um, and it's a four mana four four for a legendary giant shaman. 
You can tap it for four colorless, but only to pay spells that contain X. So this is a four mana four, four in your deck that is red or green. In addition, it ramps up your fireballs. It ramps up your heat rays. It ramps up your IV elementals and it ramps up the um, uncommon and rare green cards that care about um, that are, have X in their casting cost. So I think this card is just solid on its own. You'd be happy with a four mana four, four. And then the fact that, again, I can play this and then even without another land, just tap it and make a, what's that? Three, four, seven, seven Ivy elemental. Like that's not difficult to think that you could put that together. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting card in, in the draft because you can speculate on this quite easily because it's just a four mana four, four, right? It's like, who cares? Solid rate. Um, so, and, and you really only need a good X spell, I think, to take advantage of this card in your deck. So, yeah. And then if you happen to get more, it's even better. It's even better. So, um, next one I kind of want to mention is just the Vizcopa Guild Mage, which is a solid gold card for your life gain deck. So it's a two mana, two, two. It's a white and a black for a two, two, uh, with two activated abilities. You'll remember the Guild Mages, um, have these activated abilities, uh, one white black target creature gains life link one white black whenever you gain life this turn each opponent loses that much life you're often activating the first one instead of the second one but if you have enough mana in a board stall um, you know you could start effectively draining your opponent for six I guess if you had creatures to throw away um, so it does kind of have that inevitability but um, you're generally speaking gaining the life of this card this is just solid if you happen to be in this color combination yeah and a good mana sink yep um now to the artifacts now to the artifacts all right what do we got here so the first ones i'm going to rattle these off real fast and then i'm going to explain what they mean guardian idol artifact for two enters the battlefield tapped tap it add colorless to your pool two mana it becomes a two two golem artifact creature token until end of turn Mannequin, two for a 1-1, one, one. tap it, add one colorless to your mana pool. Mindstone, two, tap it, add one colorless to your mana pool. One, sack it, draw a card. That's three common two mana rocks that give you colorless mana. If you are interested in ramping, you will be able to do that no matter what color you are playing. These only give you colorless mana, but there's three solid options to get rocks that will do that for you. That's kind of a big deal and tells us a lot about this format. Well, you forgot about Star Compass. Yeah, there's there's, there's a four. fourth. I mean, and that and one, that you one will gives have, you colored mana. You will have basics, right? You will have, have... Star Compass is a little bit different. You can only add color uh, of a basic land you can control. Um, so if you have no basics, this doesn't do anything. However, you will have basics. So there's four. On top of that, you yeah. have Pristine Talismid and Uncommon, which is three mana. Uh, you have the Palladium Mirror uh, at Uncommon, which is three for uh, two, two that taps for two colorless. And then you have a Thran Dynamo at four. Yeah. So everybody's ramping? Everybody's ramping. And this is another clue that this is a format that's not likely to be super aggro, although again, the pieces are there and many of them were in white. Right. So like, I believe that there could be an aggressive deck, but I also believe that with that many common and uncommon colorless mana rocks, we're going to see big spells. These are feeding your X spells. These are feeding your 
six drops. If you're playing the dragon's deck, go ahead and take that six mana dragon. You're going to be able to cast it. Want a Mahamotai Jin on turn four? That may be dreaming a bit, but turn five, I think we could certainly do. All right. That's crazy. Any other artifacts? It's absolutely crazy. Any other artifacts that are worth mentioning? I mean, Dark Steel Axe is kind of cool. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, we th- we think of like Pirate's Cutlass and, uh, you know, the, the plus two plus one with a free equip. This is not quite that, but I, I still think it's very good and it's something to think about. I don't know if it, how good it will be in this set. We'll have to see, but it's a, a one mana equipment with a two equip cost and it gets plus two plus zero. Um, you know, you throw it on a random flyer or a random trampler and all of a sudden it's uh, it's kind of big beats to your to your opponent there. So keep that in mind. It is an aggressive equipment, uh, which is interesting considering it. I don't think this is going to be blisteringly fast, uh, but we'll see. I've said that before and been wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's it for me for artifacts, to be honest. It is for me, too. And like the, the lands are going to go pretty quick, but I, I we need to have a little discussion about bounce lands. Yeah. And how you can play them wrong, but also how just great they are. Yeah. So I'll I'll use the Boros Garrison as an example. Boros Garrison enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, return a land you control to its owner's hand. Tap it to add red-white to your mana pool. There's a cycle of these for all of the two-color pairs, and they're at uncommon. Okay? So if you play this and it's the only land you have, you return itself, you have no land drop for that turn. Don't do that. You need to play a basic first, or some other land, and then play this on turn two, for example, returning that one. Right? Mm -hmm. So that doesn't sound amazing does it no however you get to replay the land that you picked up on your next turn Mm -hmm. and even though you only have two lands in play you have three mana sources so how many cards are in my hand if i have a boros garrison a planes and then five action cards you have eight i have eight cards because this is two lands right so I'm, i'm not playing anything super quickly Right? I'm not deploying that hand very fast unless I have a one drop because I've got to skip two to do this. But I've affectionately, uh, effectively got an eight card opening hand because I have a Boros Garrison in it. So these are so good that if I'm playing white blue, I will put a Boros Garrison in that deck happily because it just makes so many more hands capable. If you get enough of them, you can even consider trimming a land from your deck which is something that I don't advocate doing very often. I'm I'm far more likely to play 18 than 16, but if I've got four of these, I'll cut it to 16. I may have to mulligan some, right? But depending on how good the people you're drafting with are, you're not going to see enough of these to run into the problem of having too many. Um, I can envision many packs where I first pick a bounce land and then just kind of don't care whether I'm both of the colors or just one. They're that powerful. And the, like I said, the main reason why is this in your opening hand is effectively plus one card to your opening hand. Yep. Yeah, it's just it's just like you're guaranteed to hit your turn three land drop regardless of what you draw or what the rest of your hand is. So that's the best way to look at it. That's how I learned. That's what clicked for me is it's like, look, you're hitting another land drop um, guaranteed with this. So that that's, yeah, these things are great. Um, I'm trying to think of what format they were in recently. Was it the Modern Masters 17? Were they in that? It may have been. I, I remember playing them in one of the Master sets. Yeah, and it was just like, you never saw these. So you tried to pick them up as, as kind of as soon as you could. Mm-hmm. All right. And then 
It's also worth mentioning that Evolving Wilds is here at Common. We've played with that enough that we know what it does. But if you're going to go for a splash or you just want to have some nice smooth mana at, at the cost of it coming into play tapped in your two-color deck, you can certainly do that. Uh, 3-0 to draft today, an hour of devastation that wasn't splashing and played in Evolving Wilds just to smooth out the mana. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's a solid card in that deck. I'd play it in any deck. And then again, it gets a lot better if you have a splash. Yeah. So, all right. So that's that's the end of it here. We've kind of gone through most of the cards. We talked about some iconic cards. We skipped a lot of the rares and mythics. No big deal. There's some cool ones in there. You'll know them when you see them. But um, what's your take then on Iconic Masters? Like, obviously you're going to be drafting it online on your stream. But like, do you foresee yourself enjoying this format? Like, wh- where does it where does it sit on the excitement level for you? For me, I feel like we've got a set that has both powerful cards and synergistic cards. So I can make a good stuff deck or I can make a theme deck. And it, it there's not enough duds in the set that you'll really be left out in the cold no matter what you do. So that actually is kind, kind of bugs me a little bit. I, I like that in Ixalan that if you don't draft it properly, you get punished a little bit. Whereas in this one, I can kind of open a good white card, get past a good white card, and then force white and be fine. But I, I do like that it looks like there's going to be a lot of depth, replayability, and flexibility here. It doesn't look like it's going to be all aggro, although you can be aggressive. And it doesn't look like it's going to be all ramp, although there's certainly enough ramp. Um, the rares are flashy and cool. Even some of the uncommons are neat. Like we didn't mention it, but Swords to Plowshares in here is an uncommon. Um, so I, I think it looks like a pretty balanced set. There's not a Denrova horror in it. That makes me happy. Yeah. Like ungodly happy because that kind of ruined the last format. So I'm excited to try it out. I think it's going to have more replay than the last one did. And I expect I'll be streaming it, you know, all day tomorrow and then Monday for the showdown. And then I, I expect I'll stream it some more after that. Okay. Um, so, so I'm not going to lie. Like I came into this with like, uh, I was not expecting it to look as good as it does. Um, I am not a, generally a fan of master sets. Uh, we talked about this on the mic check, but I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, it's just not sets for me. Like I don't really care about old cards. I don't care about building my collection in paper for those types of things. Um, and online phantom drafts are not something that I generally enjoy. Like it, they just, they just don't speak to me. Um, I like the, the thrill of opening a chase card, I guess, which is funny because I don't like doing this in paper for that reason. I don't like paying $30 for a paper draft because people are chasing uh chase rare. So it's a bit of a, of a hypocrite there, but after going through these cards and seeing a lot of cards that I'm familiar with, um, on top of cards that I know from cube, you know, it, it, it seems like a, a, a draft format that I, that I could conceivably enjoy. I might, I, I'm not admitting that I will enjoy it, but I might, <laughs> there's a chance, um, you know, and, and, and I, th- I think the, the fact that you said like, you know, like I can, I can get into a deck and maybe draft incorrectly and still have a playable pile, even though maybe a set like this is not, uh, in my wheelhouse when it comes to uh, to draft formats. Like, I'm better in a draft format when I get a lot of reps in, and I don't know that I will be getting a lot of reps in this format, but it looks like I can draft this once or twice and still enjoy it a lot, um, or potentially enjoy it a lot, um, and not have to draft it 100 times in order to get maximum enjoyment out of it. So I would say, you know, if, if I have to put it into words, it's, it's like a two-for-one when you're dead on board. Um, it's like draft advice when 
Oh, Wait, what? It, it's it's like a, it's like good draft advice when you've 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 already picked. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a full draft pod when you've already paid. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, it's a fa- it's a two for one when you're dead on board. I said that one already. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> I said it twice. It's um, it's it's a phantom draft when you open that Chase Mythic. Horizon Canopy. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's. I'd say, I'd say it's iconic. I'd say it's iconic. Don't you think? Yeah, a little too iconic. And I think that's the end of the podcast there. So, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with me this week. Thanks for uh, Travis. Thanks for listening, listeners out there. Um, I can't think of any homework, so we're just going to cut to the outro. Thanks to Face to Face Games and ManaDeprived.com for the hosts and the support. And um, if they want to catch you online, you're going to be on the Streamer Showdown on Monday. Where can they catch you? Correct. It'll be Monday at four o'clock Eastern. That's at twitch.tv slash simulan. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter under the same. And if, if Dave's going to slack on homework, I'm not. Oh. Uh, consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Those reviews actually help other people find the podcast. Um, so either do that or tell a friend that doesn't listen that they should check it out. There you go. And this is a good one to start with because uh, a lot of people will be going out to their LGS this weekend or playing online. So um, hopefully we can help them out. All right. And then we get a cut of any packs you win. Exactly. Exactly. And then if anybody did want to watch you stream, where could they find you, Dave? Uh, I'm at twitch.tv slash dcivilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. You can catch all sorts of train wrecks that turn into three O's. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, but once again, thanks for listening. It was a ton of fun. Let's do this again next week. Yeah, I'll be there. Okay. You better win that streamer showdown so that we can uh, actually have some credibility next week. Yeah. Okay. I'll make it happen. All right. Thanks again. And we'll catch you next time. Bye.